Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Joy Podcast, your roadmap to a joy-filled life. I'm your host, Katherine McAdam. I'm a nurse practitioner, author, and Christian speaker who has also experienced the heartache of marriage to a drug addict, divorce, single parenthood, and homelessness. Most of all, I'm an overcomer who can completely understand what you're going through and speak life into your situation. It's my desire to bring hope and encouragement that you too can live a life of unstoppable joy, no matter what life hands you. Now, I'm not here to give you pat answers or cliche scripture verses. I'm here to honestly share with you the mindset hurdles and the spiritual and emotional barriers I had to overcome on my journey to becoming a comeback queen. I believe as I share my story and those of my guests, you too will be able to find your unstoppable joy. So pull up a chair, grab your favorite beverage, and let's get started. Hello again, and welcome to the Unstoppable Joy podcast. This week, I want to talk about some of the symbols of Christmas and why we use these things and what they have to do with our faith in Christ. One of those things is the Christmas tree. Why are we using a Christmas tree and what in the world are we doing bringing these trees into our home? (laughs) Um, Over 400 years ago, in the 16th century, uh, the Germans had what they called paradise plays. The purpose of these paradise plays was to convey theological teachings to their audience, which was largely illiterate. It's kind of crazy to think about, but in the 1600s, only about one-third of the male population could read. And for women, it was as low as maybe one in ten of women could read at that time. And paradise plays were a way to visually and dramatically depict the scenes from the Bible and creation, the fall of Adam and Eve, and specifically um, the use of a tree, usually an evergreen tree, was the centerpiece of many of these paradise plays as they were depicting the Garden of Eden. And they would use this evergreen as a symbol of the tree of paradise or the tree of knowledge from the Garden of Eden. And they would decorate it with apples, which symbolize the forbidden fruit. It may have uh, wafers representing the Eucharist or the body of Christ, um, nuts and candies. Anyway, they used these trees, these evergreen trees, in their performance. At some point, people started bringing in these trees to their homes to then celebrate Christmas time. Uh, Martin Luther is actually, in the 16th century, was, um, is often credited with actually adding light to the trees using candles. Um, and inspired by the beauty of the stars of the night sky, Luther's addition to the candles were added a new dimension to the evolving Christmas tree tradition. Use of Christmas trees spread across Europe in the 16th and 17th century from Germany and other parts of Europe. Different regions adapted the tradition, incorporating unique custom decorations and rituals. By the 18th century, the use of Christmas trees became widespread, especially among the upper class in Germany. Decorations included candles, fruits, nuts, and handmade ornaments. In the 19th century, um, tradition gained further popularity after the Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, who 
with German descent were depicted with the decoration, decorating Christmas trees in an 1848 illustration. The royal endorsement contributed to the acceptance of Christmas trees in Britain homes. German immigrants brought the Christmas tree tradition to North America in the 18th and 19th century. Tradition slowly gained acceptance in North America with its first recorded use of the Christmas tree in the White House in 1856 during the presidency of Franklin Pierce. Today, Christmas trees are in the home as a universal practice during the holiday season. This tradition has evolved over the centuries, bringing cultural, religious, and regional influences um, to become a central symbol of Christmas celebrations today worldwide. But why do we use an evergreen? Evergreen trees are unique in that they retain their greenery throughout the winter as a symbol of life and continuity. Families and communities find solace and hope during the cold winter months by bringing evergreens into their homes. There are stories that mention trees throughout the Bible. One of them, of course, is in the Garden of Eden, the Tree of Life. Also, the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil. And that, again, is back to the Paradise plays that were put on in the 16th century. In Psalm 1-3 and Jeremiah 17-8, the Bible passages use trees metaphorically to convey themes of spiritual growth, strength, and righteousness. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is a man that walked not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Again, Jeremiah 17, 8 says, For he will be nourished like a tree planted by waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist and it will not be anxious or inconcerned in the year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. In Genesis 18.1, we hear about how the Lord appeared to Abraham by the trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. In Isaiah 61.3, the Lord says that we will be called trees of righteousness, strong and magnificent, distinguished for integrity, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Let us not forget that Jesus died on a tree. The cross is often called a tree. I love the the symbolism of trees. They are so comforting to me growing up in the Midwest and the deciduous forest of all the leaves coming down in the fall time and all the icicles hanging from their branches in the winter. But the evergreen stays green year-round. It doesn't lose its leaves. It is a symbol of God's constancy, of reminder of growth and life when things are cold and snowy. 
But the evergreen has just become so commonplace that I don't even know that we remember why we even do this tradition of putting up the Christmas tree and what it really symbolizes. To me, it, it's a symbol of hope that when everything else seems dead, when everything else seems to be dormant and quiet, that there is still life and there is still growth and there is still hope that there will be green again. Some of the symbols that we put on the tree, like the star on top of it, is a representation of the star of Bethlehem that guided the Magi to the newborn Jesus. It serves a reminder of the biblical narrative of the nativity. On my Christmas tree, I have the words, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Prince of Peace, and the Lord is born. Just to help remind me of why I'm decorating this tree and what the whole reason of the season is. And that is the birth of Christ and the fact that he's come to earth. And even through the glittering light, I'm reminded that it's not just the beauty of the tree or the time or the music playing or the ambiance. It's, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the goodness and the grace he has had and shown towards us in coming to be and live among us. I love that they used to have passion paradise plays. That is just such a neat idea. And we still do this today in the form of passion plays and uh, nativity plays or Christmas pageants. Um, did you know that those started many years ago with Francis of Assisi? St. Francis was born around 1180, and he died about 1226. He was an Italian Catholic friar, preacher, and the founder of the Franciscan order. He was known for his love of nature and animals and simplicity. He really thought outside the box, and he started having passion plays or nativity plays. He started his creation of the nativity plays in 2023, just a few years before he passed away. And according to the legend, St. Francis was inspired to create in a live enactment of the nativity in the town of Grisio, Italy, during the Christmas season. It was to emphasize the simplicity and humanity of the birth of Christ, and he wanted to provide a tangible and relatable representation of the story of Christ's births for the local community. He arranged for a manger and hay and live animals to be brought to the town. He invited the local people to participate in the depiction of the nativity and have individuals playing roles as Mary, Joseph, shepherds, angels, and the wise men. This was a new thing of the time. Today, um, we see churches putting on plays and that sort of thing, but um, I've even gone to, when my kids were little, we actually went to a live nativity. One of the um, petting zoos or petting farms that was near us put on a, a live nativity where you could go in and um, peek in and see um, the animals in the barn. And um, they, of course, they had people dressed up as Mary, Joseph, and 
the baby Jesus. Um, and, you know, just a really neat thing to do. Really, it does really bring the whole story to life. So often we can think of this as happened, oh, so, so long ago, and it, and it can be really, you know, distant from us and not really seem real. It, it helps to have some tangible, in-person uh, viewing of this. Likewise, Joe, Joe and I have just enjoyed the series, The Chosen, as it brings the Bible to life and, and the story of Christ and just been touched by how they portray Jesus and his relationship with his disciples. It's, it's been opening and has given me a lot of thought about who Jesus is and, and how he was when he walked the earth. So if you haven't seen it, I, <laughs> I wholeheartedly endorse that um, show. Obviously, they did take some creative leeway and, and, and you know, added to the story. Um, obviously, it's not word for word from the Bible, but it does give a good idea of kind of how things were at those days and and maybe how his disciples got along or didn't get along and just really, uh, you know, just gives some good insight to, and make things seem um, just, just down to earth. So when the nativity plays influenced the way that communities celebrated Christmas, fostering a more uh, participatory and communal approach to recounting the story of Jesus' birth. Over time, nativity plays evolved into various forms, including church performances, school plays, and community events. Francis Assisi's emphasis on simplicity, humility, and a deep connection to the story of Christ's birth has left an integral legacy, to say the least. His innovative use of the elements in the nativity scene contributed to the rich tapestry of Christian traditions, and it continues to inspire the celebration of the nativity through various forms of artistic expression, including pageants and plays. If you have little kids or grandkids, what a neat way to uh, bring the story of Christ to life. Uh, even if you use some of their stuffed animals or the family cat or dog and dress them up as sheep and, you know, have a little manger area and, and talk about the story and, and act it out, that would be such a fun event. As kids growing up, we always were putting on plays and skits and having fun, doing silly things and fun things. And what a neat way to bring the Bible home to your kids and really have them um, personalize it and really think about, you know, the reality of it. And it's not just something far away, something you read in a book, something that is actually real and did happen and is alive. And to tell that story and talk about it and act it out, what a great way to put an impression on your kid. Many churches do this, this these days, but how neat would it be to do it in your own home? So I hope this year, as you begin to put your Christmas tree up, if you haven't yet or decorated, or even if you see one in the town square or in a shopping center, you'll remember that this tradition started many years ago with a play about the Garden of Eden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Wow, how things have changed. I hope that as you see a Christmas tree this year, you'll think about it differently and you'll remember the hope and the joy that is behind it and the story of the humanity and the humility of Christ coming to earth as a baby. 
so that we could know him. I hope that you find joy in it. I hope that you find the true meaning of Christmas, which is Christ. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That Christmas tree that you see everywhere, that is an example of our everlasting Father, giving us I hope you have a great rest of your week and wonderful Christmas in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Hey, before you go, make sure you click and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Leave us a review. That would be so helpful to have other people find this podcast. Also, head on over to my website, katherinemcadam.com, where you can find all kinds of information about the things I'm doing, how to book me as a speaker, and you can find all the happenings of what I'm up to these days. And leave your prayer request for me. I would love to cover you in prayer. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Be blessed.